Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Have you noticed that some people in leadership roles in the country and in the workplace tend to get high marks for their actions and some don't? What makes the difference? Let's put that question to Dr. Jennings, who, as usual, comes at this topic from a decidedly biblical perspective. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries, and the good doctor joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, I'm assuming that effective leadership has something to do with effective psychology. Would you share with us what you believe to be the top habits of effective leaders? Well, yes. You may know that I was trained in the U.S. Army. One of the emphasis of the military is training strong leaders. Mm -hmm. You must have good, strong leaders. And then I compare some of the principles I was taught with the military with Jesus and what he did. And do you see strong leadership in Jesus? And so one of the things that was emphasized to us when I was in the military as a military officer was that a leader or commander never asks his soldiers to do something he would be unwilling to do if he was in their position. Mm -hmm. Never ask them to do something you'd be unwilling to do in your position. Do we see Jesus coming to earth and suffering and being tempted in every way just like we are? Do we see Jesus willing to humble himself all the way to the form of a servant, even to the cross, never asking us to resist where he was unwilling to resist, mm, yes. never asking us to love where he was unwilling to love, never asking us to sacrifice where he was unwilling? In other words, this is exactly a principle that we see in Jesus. He did everything, and he never asked us to do anything that he was unwilling to do. Another was a good officer shares his soldiers' experiences. He gets trained in the same way that they're trained, qualified in the same qualifications, marches on the same marches, eats the same food, does the same physical training, etc. Do we see that Jesus came to earth as a real human being and became one of us? He didn't come as a person or a being that looked like one of us. He became one of us and was tempted in every way just like we are and shared in our physical fatigue. He got hungry. He got tired. He walked the human journey and was tempted in every way just like we are. But another thing, we were taught that when it comes time for rest, when it comes time to feed your troops, etc., that you let your troops eat first, you eat last. You're there to serve your troops and to provide for them and to look out for them. And so, do we find in the life of Jesus that he came to serve? At the Last Supper, he got up and, and went around and washed all their feet because they didn't wash his feet. And so we see the same principle of servant leadership, that you don't simply command others to attend and wait on you, that you actually share their experiences. You actually understand their struggles and difficulties by experience, and you seek to, to the degree you have the capacity, serve them and help them and let them go first. You put their interests above your own, in other words. And then a good commander, when breaks came on a march, to inspect his soldiers, have them take off their boots, look at their feet, make sure they're not getting sores, look at their gear to make sure it's being well-maintained, and then provide the resources they need if, uh, well, you need some bandages to your feet, you need new clean socks or dry socks, whatever they need to maintain their health, their wellness, their effectiveness, then the good leader is to be providing those resources for them. Do we find that Jesus 
has done that for us, that he inspects us. We find David praying, search me and see the wicked way in me, O Lord. And then God provides everything we need, wisdom, love, healing, strength, discernment, everything we need he provides. And all his biddings are enablings, the scripture says, which means whatever he calls any individual to do, he never calls them to do it without equipping them with the ability to carry it out. And that's part of a good commander, a good leader, to provide the equipment, the ability, the training, the education, the resources necessary to carry out whatever they ask their employees or soldiers, or in God's case, his followers to do. And he will always equip us. Problems can arise, though, if a soldier decides to take on a mission not directed by the commander and go out to do something the commander hasn't equipped them for. And sometimes Christians can get quite excited and take on a mission that might be a good mission, it's just not the mission the Lord has called them to take on, and therefore they're not well-equipped, and they end up defeated or discouraged in doing so. You think of David when he decided he wanted to build the temple, and it was a good thing for the Lord, but it wasn't what the Lord had for David to do, and he had to be called back from that mission. And so ensure that you educate your soldiers to be able to care for themselves to the degree that it is their responsibility to care for themselves. Does Jesus want us to mature, to grow up from children, to be full statures of the sons and daughters of God who have self-control or self-governance, as it says in Galatians, the last fruit of the Spirit, where we are capable of making wise decisions so we stop injuring ourselves with sin, that we can actually make decisions that are for our own eternal health and well-being. And how do we learn that? Because we have our commander, Jesus, teaching us the way to do these things, and educating us so we develop these skills and these capacities. A good commander will also discipline the troops. If the troops are having struggles or or having problems, not keeping up with their equipment, not studying their lessons or whatever, the, the commander that cares for the troops will bring discipline, not punishment. Discipline means to disciple, consequences to help incentivize them to get back on track. And the Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Do we see the Lord doing that? Have you seen in your own life that the Lord will at times discipline because we need it? And do we look back like we do to our parents, say, thank you, Lord. I needed that discipline. I was allowing my own impulses to lead me astray, and it wasn't good for me, and, and you love me enough to discipline me. Oh, I like the fact there that you're using the word discipline, and you're saying that doesn't mean punishment, because a lot of us think if we make a mistake, if we fall out of line, if we fall out of step, that we're going to be punished for it. And you say, no, you're going to be discipled for that. And that's a beautiful word. That's right. Discipline comes from the root word disciple, means to to teach or to to educate. Punishment comes from punitive, means to exact vengeance upon. A commander does not want to be punitive to his soldiers. He wants to, there's a military saying, retain the fighting force, okay? Mm -hmm. He wants to make his soldiers the most effective that they can be, and so he brings to bear all the various resources necessary to strengthen them, so good food, good training, good equipment, good boundaries, good time for rest, and so a commander will also give his soldiers time for rest and recovery. God prescribes one day in seven for us to come aside and rest with him and recover and to strengthen because once you exert yourself, you need to rest and recover lest you burn out. So God provides us a weekly Sabbath for rest. I mean, God is a great and the perfect leader. And we see that many of these principles that I learned in the military are actually exactly the principles that God uses for us. And the purpose is to make us the most affecting spiritual fighting force that uses the weapons, the sword of truth, wielded in love, to help bring healing to hearts and minds of people.
Dr. Jennings, just a couple of weeks ago, we did a show that highlighted the great exodus that's happening in religion today, and people are leaving the church. And the Gallup poll says that only 47% of Americans, as of 2020, identify themselves as belonging to a church, synagogue, or mosque, etc. As far as Christians are concerned, Dr. Jennings, if that Jesus was waiting for them, the one you just described in this program, if that Jesus was identified for young people today in churches, there would not be an exodus. There would be a swelling of the numbers. That's the kind of leader God that we need that we can bring into our lives and that can enhance our lives and make us happy beyond anything the world has to offer. Am I right in saying that? Well, you're right, but that requires that Christianity begins teaching God and worshiping him as creator, whose laws are the laws upon which reality operate, and stop teaching an imperial dictator who makes up rules and is waiting to punish you, following you like a police officer to give you a ticket every time you mess up. And that's what many young people are taught. And it really destroys their appreciation for God, and they end up rebelling and leaving. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for that for small children. Do parents in love make up some rules for their small children, like don't play in the street or brush your teeth before you go to bed? Of course they make up some rules. They're made up rules, but they're made up based on the law of thermodynamics or physics so that their teeth won't decay or they won't get hit by a car. But at the same time, they put those rules in place for the child who can't figure out what's actually best and healthy and safe. They're educating them why the rule is there, and as the child grows, somewhere because it's so understood, the child naturally begins understanding the reason for the rule, and eventually the rule just fades away. Mm -hmm. The parents don't have to monitor toothbrushing anymore. The parents don't have to say, stay out of the street anymore, because that rule became incorporated into their character, and they gladly brush their teeth because they want them to be healthy, and they don't want to play in the street when traffic is coming because they don't want to get hit, and so the parents don't have to monitor and enforce, and the adult looks back and goes, thanks, mom, for having that Mm -hmm. rule that you place there to protect me when I was a child. Sadly, that doesn't happen in Christianity. Kids are not taught the reasons God has provided some rules for the immature, and they just continue to think of it like an imperial dictator enforcing rules. And thus, when they grow up, it's like, ah, uh, there's no reason to brush your teeth except your mom will punish. Now that I'm out of the house, I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Dr. Jennings, you've identified the powerful attributes of effective leaders, and how do we as citizens of this country and as as church members, how do we start applying them? Where should we begin our journey to become the effective leader that Christ was for us? Well, first you have to decide in yourself what kind of person you want to be. Mm. Do you want to be a person who lives maturely like Christ is designed for us to live. And if so, then you fix your eyes on Christ. And you fix your eyes on Christ, and you begin to study his leadership techniques, and you begin studying how he is effective in his leadership. And then there's a design law involved in this. It's called the law of worship or modeling, or by beholding, we become changed. As you study the life of Christ, esteem it, spend time meditating upon it, and then embracing in your heart, yes, that's what I want to be. Yes, I want to do that. Then you slowly become like the God you esteem and, and admire. And these principles, as you begin practicing them in your life, you become more efficient at them, just like practicing the piano, you become more efficient at, and they become more automated, and you can do it without even purposeful thinking once they become deeply embedded practice patterns. And so I would tell people to If they really want this, study these principles in the life of Christ, think about them, spend 15 or 20 minutes a day on one of them and thinking, now today, how can I apply that leadership skill in my dealing with my subordinates today? Listener, I hope that you, like me, 
are learning how to fall in love with Jesus more and more every time we sit down and talk with Dr. Jennings here on this program. I am just amazed at the insights that are offered here on this program and also on the website comeandreason.com. We are learning to recognize a very different God in some cases than is being preached from pulpits and written in books and whatnot. And I just hope that you're enjoying this as much as I am. And I invite you to go to comeandreason.com and find some uh, resource materials that will help you along that journey. I'm looking at the page here on the website for the sharing tracks. These are little giveaways that you hand out. The Design Laws of God, How to Resolve Your Feelings of Guilt, The Infinite Sacrifice of Christ, The Overcoming Addiction, Lasting Freedom, etc. These are all available to you at no charge. Dr. Jennings will send these out and you can read them and you can share them with other people. Also, there are books available. The Aging Brain, Could It Be This Simple? The God-Shaped Heart, The God-Shaped Brain. You're supporting the ministry when you purchase those products. And I recommend that you do that. Just check it out. Listen to uh, these podcasts. Also, Dr. Jennings has some television programs up there for you to watch. And just a lot of material that will help you on that journey that we are all on to recognize that we love God because he loves us and he loves us in ways that few people recognize. And Dr. Jennings wants to make sure that that stops and we start recognizing just how God loves us and how he wants to be that effective leader in our lives. Common Reason Ministries is the sponsor of this program. Dr. Jennings, as always, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>